My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. If you're not sure how to do something, find someone that's done it and find someone that's done it well. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Chump and in this episode, we're back with Hadley Nightingale, a buyer's agent and property investor from New Zealand. We'll be able to learn about how the New Zealand market differs from the Australian market as well as his strategies and recommendations on how to continue to grow your portfolio and much, much more. In terms of strategy, Hadley Nightingale delves into how he plans to move forward with property investing. More of what we've just done is that the strategy moving forward. So if we can turn one house into two or buy a house with, with a couple of units on it that has some subdivision potential, I suppose that the key thing for moving forward is to make sure that we're getting some solid cash flow with, with whatever we're buying, but also to it needs to generate some equity and some forced appreciation in there as well so that we can keep moving forward and obviously the cash flow in there from a serviceability standpoint is really key as well. The property investor explains how he goes about in finding deals. I suppose the big thing is with these is around zoning and then also to there's a whole lot of intricate bits with when the house was built, council requirements, also to just layout of the house in general. So is it going to be easy to turn into two units? How do we need to go about fire rating them? Uh, and then from finding them, it's quite interesting. Some of them are, are staring you right in the face in terms of realestate.co.nz and Trade Me, which is our other property site, where there's actually stuff on there that may have been on there for a little while that people just haven't seen the potential in it. Also, too, I mean, we work closely with agents that bring us in and tell us about deals that are off market. The other thing that we have, and it just happened last week for one of our clients that lives in Brisbane, was to purchase him an off-market property that the vendor came directly to us and said, hey, look, we've got this property. It yields about 9.4%. We've got some other stuff going on. Have you got someone that can buy it? It's really in a, a range of situations that the deals come through to us and that we look rather than you know just sort of one set piece of one set website. When coming across a deal, Nightingale also has a particular process where he looks for certain criteria. I suppose the first thing that we, we look at is, is rent and rental potential to then do a reverse calculation on the yield. So that's sort of the, the first thing. If the yield's not there, then we sort of 
steer clear and, and move on unless there's something extremely creative we can do to make sure that we can achieve that. So there's been properties that we've bought that if you, you looked on paper and clients would buy them, but once we, we do some stuff to them, then then that changes the, the yield position because if we turn one into two, then obviously our rent doubles, our yield increases. But then also at the same time, location is really important building conditions really important as well because at the same time we don't want to be buying places that need two hundred thousand dollars worth of work when you're only going to make a hundred out of them so it's, it's really important Overcapitalization is probably one of the biggest mistakes i see people make that they go oh cool awesome we'll we'll buy the house we've probably paid a little bit too much for it but you know i think we really need to do the kitchen up and doing the kitchen up is only going to give you ten dollars a week more than what painting the kitchen is going to do to have exactly the same outcome or more or less the same outcome so there's really you've just got to take everything into into context it really comes back to yield and to rental demand in the area as well as the property expert has built up his contacts over the years he discusses how he has found trustworthy people that he knows he can depend on we've been through a few of them mate to find some really good people so i suppose that's that's one of the things that we we do ourselves and, and we also provide for our clients as well is that when we go into an area, um, either we've got contacts there or we know people that invest in the area as well uh, that have got builders and electricians and plumbers and, and things like that. So it's, it's really important that you're getting people that are going to do the job. Uh, and especially if you are investing from abroad, it becomes an even more so important to have trusted people on the ground. So we recommend accountants, mortgage brokers, lawyers, also, too, from the, a trades perspective, all the, the trades that people might need as well to all of our clients and our Australian clients, especially to, to get them set up and, and to get them sorted. Uh, I suppose the other great thing is, is that because we don't provide any of these services ourselves, we are, we are independent to them. So if people aren't performing, we've got options to go and find other people there as well. As Nightingale is very knowledgeable of the New Zealand market, he gives us insight on what it's like in comparison to the Australian market. One of the, the biggest things for New Zealand uh, or the, the attractions to New Zealand is really from a tax perspective. So I'm, I'm not an accountant. This is just a, an overview of, of the, the diff, or the, an outlining of the differences. So basically, we, we haven't got stamp duty. So there's, there's a massive saving there for, for anyone. We don't have wealth tax. We don't have inheritance tax. We don't have capital gains tax. What we do have is a, is a bright line test. So if you're trading in property and you sell it within five years of purchasing it, then there's a tax to pay. But if you're a long-term investor and you sell your house in 20 years time, but you've had the intention to keep it, then there's no tax on that. So it's a huge, huge difference between um, between New Zealand and Australia and, and those uh, aspects. The other thing is too is, is that we've got, we've still got yield over here which I've sort of finally talking to Australians that, you know, guys are chasing yield, but they're having to go into into more remote sort of places to get it where we've still got it in our in our bigger centres, which is which is also really attractive too. Yeah. So what kind of yields are we talking about in New Zealand? They range hugely. So uh, as I was saying, the the last unit that we bought uh, for one of our clients was about nine point four percent. Um, and they obviously the the bigger the city gets, the the smaller that that yield is. Um, but generally, clients are after stuff from sort of six and a half to eight is where we where we regularly see stuff with uh, with good with good equity on the other side of that as well. 
He also talks about the main differences between Australia and New Zealand in terms of living. The climate in Australia is fantastic. As I say, with uh, with Perth, it would be a uh, if it was in in the east coast of um, of Australia, I'd, I'd probably still be there. But I think the great thing about New Zealand is is that not everything's out there to try and bite you or, or kill you. It's quite nice going for a a walk through the bush and uh, and not waiting for a snake to jump out at you or uh, go and swim and get attacked by a crocodile or a shark which is quite attractive. And then from a property perspective, the biggest thing that I've found is just difference in contracts and, and things like that. The New Zealand sales and purchase agreements are a fantastic contract because it gives the purchaser a quite a bit of power in terms of what they do from a, a due diligence investigative standpoint. We don't have gazumping over here. So once you've got a contract on a place, you've got a contract. No one can just come in and pull the rug out from your feet, so to speak, yeah, at the 11th hour. So also things like termites, we haven't got them. It's just, I personally, I just, I find it uh, quite easy to, to transact and there's a few less things to worry about. In terms of mindset, Nightingale delves into the reason why he jumped into property investment. I think that the biggest thing for me has really been around passive income. It's quite the, the cliche saying of making money while you sleep. And I think now with the coronavirus and, and everything else that's happening with the world, it just goes to show, and it's definitely stood out to me that that having passive incomes, you know, quite important. That if something happens to you, or for some reason that you can't go to work, to have your income cut off today would be a huge shock to the system. And there's not a whole lot you can do about it because it's out of your control. So that that's really the the thing is just to to have something that generates income for me, so I can survive and live and get by. Coming up after the break, we hear about the kinds of mentors and resources that have contributed to his property investing journey. As you become more involved in the industry, you get to know some more people and and your mentors change a little bit as you go and your friend circle changes as you go as well. So I suppose a number of my friends now also, we bounce ideas off each other and that's sort of the mentoring component from a, a property buying perspective. The personal habits he has adopted to continue his success. I think persistence and determination are the, the two key things, especially in the, the game that I'm in at the moment, you get a hang of a lot of no's for a guess that you get, that if you weren't persistent and you weren't determined, the amount of no's and, and opportunities that lead to nowhere would get you down at the end of the day. And that's next. I'm Tyron Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Nightingale takes a look back on the resources and mentors that have helped him along his property investing journey. In terms of the property side of things and uh, when we first got started, the Rich Dad Poor Dad training was, was the first one we went, we went on uh, and then through a company called Wealth Mentor in New Zealand which put us in, in really good stead to um, this going and, and to start learning about how property works, what we need to do, what we need to look for and just be there to give us a, a guided process. And I suppose like anything, as you become more involved in the industry, you get to know some more people and, and your mentors change a little bit as you go and your friend circle changes as you go as well. So I suppose a number of my friends now also, we bounce ideas off each other and that's sort of a, the mentoring component from a property buying perspective at the moment. 
And then from the buyer's agency, Ben Handler's been absolutely phenomenal in terms of a shift in mindset, shift in business, and just opening eyes up to the, the possibilities of, of where we can go and, and what we can do. So the mentor side of things is just, is, I think, is vital to anyone that's looking to either purchase property or in business or no matter what you're looking to do, it's always easier to stand on the shoulders of someone else than to want to try and go and, and do it yourself and, and learn the hard way. He shares with us how the rich dad, poor dad training impacted him and his mindset. They were the ones that got us through the process of the, the mentoring, a mentoring program. And so we sat down and we ended up working with Wealth Mentor, a company in New Zealand, to go through our, our mentoring program to make sure that what we were looking to do was going to fit our needs and our wants and formulate a plan of, of how to acquire properties that we needed to, to get us from where we were to where we wanted to be. They kind of helped you map out a plan that you could just follow and um, work together on what you want to achieve in terms of your goals and your targets. Exactly. And then also to someone to go and use as a sounding board to go, hey, look, we're, we're looking at doing this. The, the guys that we were working with said, fantastic. Some of the ideas they went, I wouldn't touch it. I wouldn't do it. This is where you're going to lose your money which is an absolutely wonderful thing to have, especially when you're new in the game, uh, having someone to be able to, that's got some, that's got the experience, not your uncle at the barbecue that's never bought something before, but someone that's in the game and, and knows what's going on to see the pitfalls that you can't. Nottingale shares his book recommendations that have helped develop his mindset. This is probably going to be another cliche answer, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad was the, the book that started me off. The other week, I picked it up for about the sixth time and, and read it again. What I found was is that there was a whole lot of stuff that I missed the first time. So you read it the first time, you go through it, you get some of the ideas about around what money looks like and, and things like that. But then what happens thereafter is once you read it and you absorb that information and you grow as a person, your mindset grows, you start to pick up other other bits of the book. And what I sort of found on the sixth time was is that the book's quite is heavily spiritual from uh, not so much from a, a religious perspective, but from uh, how you position yourself and energy perspective on how you view the world or how you view the situations that you're, you're in, not simply just uh, a book about money. The property expert reflects on the best advice he has ever received. The best advice I've ever received is what we've been talking about. If you're not sure how to do something, find someone that's done it and find someone that's done it well. There's an old saying that uh, price is what you pay and value is what you get. For me personally, I'm quite happy to pay people a lot of money to teach me to do stuff because I know that, that I'm going to get the value on the other side of it. And the, the price tag for me is, is the price tag, but the value that these people can provide is ex- should be exponential to what they're charging you if you apply the lessons that are there. Adopting a certain mindset throughout his property investing journey, he also shares his personal habits that have helped him along the way. I think persistence and determination are the the two key things, especially in the the game that I'm in at the moment. You get a hang of a lot of no's for a guess that you get, that if you weren't persistent and you weren't determined, the amount of no's and, and opportunities that lead to nowhere would get you down at the end of the day. So I suppose that it's really important to get up, get your mind in the right place and just be really clear and really focused on, on what you're looking to do, what you're looking to achieve and just keep that at the forefront of your mind. If he had some time to reflect on his past self 10 years ago, we find out what he would have said to himself. Probably number one, 
done by the farm. That definitely would have been, although there's been a lot of really good lessons learned in that, and I probably wouldn't be where I am today if, if I hadn't have, have been through that, that experience. I suppose it, it, it comes back to the, the same old thing of if I could have gotten into it five years earlier, then then that would have been a fantastic thing. But it's more so just around you know that persistence, that determination, and that to, to follow through on what it is that you want to do and go and get that help that you need. The earlier you can realize that in your journey rather than just going, hey, look, I'll, I'll dabble in this and see what happens. The, the far better off you are on the uh, the other side. Because at the end of the day, you, you don't know what you don't know. He also discusses the future, painting a picture of what is happening for him in the upcoming five years. For me, the, the thing I'm most excited about is just to continue on the journey that, that I'm, I'm on at the moment. I'm really loving helping people achieve their goals, coaching them through that to, to a degree as well. Uh, and then personally for myself is just to also keep expanding my portfolio and doing projects that, that I enjoy doing is uh, I think of funds the funds the key bit to the whole thing. And uh, if it's not enjoyable, it, it's not worth doing. One last question for you, Hadley, is how much of your success is due to your skill, intelligence and hard work and how much of it is because of luck? To be honest, mate, I put most of my success down to my team rather than me. In a nutshell, at the end of the day, I mean, back in 2016, uh, at the end of 2016, when we brought the first two properties, uh, we were very fortunate that we bought them just before the market in, in Palmerston North went ridiculous. But at the, at the same time, without the advice and the guidance from our team, and that's everything from accounting to mortgage broking, legal advice, uh, mentoring through what we should and shouldn't do and, and how things needed to be structured is more so where the, where the success comes from. Thank you to Hadley Nightingale, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you'd like to hear his full story, simply visit propertyinvestory.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.